So, good evening, everyone. Thank you so much for coming. Srila Jiva Goswami's Satsandarbhas. We're coming to the end of the Bhagavat Sandarbha. And we are on the 99th out of 102 Anochetas. And this particular Anocheta that we'll be discussing tonight and reading from is regarding the Lord's internal energies, his, his, which are also manifest externally uh, in different circumstances, and uh, the way that they're manifest. So we uh, ended uh, the last discussion uh, already completing some of the pramana, some of the evidence that Jiva Goswami's used to support um, and explain to us the nature of the Lord's energies. Now, overall, you can look at this Anucheta as uh, Lakshmi is the energy of the Lord. So we were discussing specifically last class a verse from the Vishnu Purana, which Jiva go, uses as evidence and a stimulus to explain the different divisions of that one energy. So the energy of the Lord is, in essence, one. He's, he has unlimited potencies in, his, in himself as the energetic source. But uh, I'll just read the... Uh, verse from the Vishnu Purana explains it nicely. The one energy having the three divisions of Ladini, Sandini, and Samvit, bliss, external existence, and knowing, exist in you, the support of everything. But the energy that yields material happiness, misery, and their mixture does not abide in you, because you are free from the gunas. So Jiva continues his discussion, but I wanted to uh, I wanted to read a little bit from the commentary. Uh, Maya and her various manifestations influence only the Jiva. The Lord is completely transcendental to her through the influence of her internal potency, Ataranga Shakti. I'm sorry, of his internal potency, Ataranga Shakti, which has three principal divisions, the potency of ever-present being, the potency of immediate tacit knowledge, and the potency of superconscious delight. These three potencies do not exist in the conditioned beings who are covered by Maya. This is a very important philosophical principle stated by Srila Jiva Goswami. And why is it so significant? It's significance in the context of the current culture. The current culture has many spiritualists. First of all, they segregate themselves from religionists in that they don't need a formal institutional body or religion in order to experience their spirituality 
So this is a common sense today. I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. Not to go too deeply into that discussion, but uh, I think when we look to religion, we look to to Dharma. Dharma, of course, is an aspect of, of uh, human, uh, the four goals of human life, Artha, Dharma, Karma, Moksha. So it's nice to be spiritual and free of Dharma in the current age because Dharma Institute, you know, connotates uh, a sense of, uh, of being part of a larger group. But in the current age, full independence is the, is the catchphrase of the day. So, uh, if you can be spiritual, you still have your God, uh, you still have your spirituality, but you don't have to adhere to any doctrines. You don't have to, uh, basically, follow any any principled uh, conduct if you don't want to. If you feel like you can, that's good, but there's no necessity in the current culture. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to do that. I don't have to, you know, practice uh, practice any practice formally and moral conduct is either I can take it or I can leave it. It's not going to affect my spirituality. Uh, so they have a sense, a false sense in the current culture. Not everyone, but a lot of people, individuals, have a current sense that um, Everything is inherent in me. I don't need to go outside of myself to find myself, to find my spirituality. It's all, it's all part of my package. Um, and it's great. It gives us a great sense of independence and self-sufficiency uh, to feel that way. But here, Jiva, by pointing this out, this principle that these potencies, these inherent potencies of the nature of existence, cognition, and joyfulness are actually not part of the nature of the jivatma. That that, that spiritual potency is independent of the potency which is the jiva itself. What does the jiva attach to the A little chit, little, little, little sot, little chit, nirananda. It's not it's not the same as as Krishna's internal blissful potency, uh, and there is of course the ability to to advance in knowing oneself 
but only to a certain point. And the comparison between the blissfulness of that topmost advancement that the living entity can attain in, in and of his own efforts, we would call that Brahmananda, the Ananda of Brahman, has to be, two, two things are there to be considered in that regard. One is that state is not attained without a pinch of bhakti. Bhakti is the Lord's swarup shakti. It's his internal potency. So without the blessing of bhakti, even that small attainment of Brahmananda, we say small, but compared to the the current cultural spiritualists that we were just talking about, it's a hum, it's a humongous accomplishment. It's something not to be taken lightly. But from the perspective of bhakti and the bhakta, having knowledge of it and understanding of the Lord's internal energies and the enjoyment on that level of spirituality, that Brahmananda is... Well, the comparison's given it's one fraction of a millionth of a fraction of, of the ocean of transcendental bliss, which is the Lord's internal, as spoken of here, Ladini. So, and that's, as I said, that's nothing compared to what the current spiritualists think that they can have by saying, oh, I feel, I, I, I'm, I know all that I need to know. I am my spiritual self. Unfortunately, they don't have a clue. And it's, it's very unfortunate because, because they don't have a clue. They won't, they won't hear. Their hearing is, is turned off. Oh, you want me to to adhere to some, you know? You want me to read some something? I don't need a book. I don't need a guru. I don't need a church. It's all inherent in me. So all I need, I can just sit down and commune with my inner self and with nature and and experience all that you you're straining and and putting so much effort into. But if they knew the fruits of bhakti, they'd be lined up around the world to to get just a fraction of a taste of 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 the joyfulness that's spoken of here by Jiva Goswami uh, when he explains the Lord's internal sarup shakti. Hmm? So is it on a continuum, like Satchanananda's over here and? It's qualitatively different. It's not the same thing at all. Of course, when I say that, when we with a when we come to an understanding, if we look at Sachitananda, the way it's referred to. Uh, 
until that's that touch of bhakti is there it's not fully uh, realized by the jiva it is fully realized when there is a touch of bhakti and then it is on the spectrum of 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 bhakti makes it so right bhakti right it's actually spiritual yes so we'll continue tonight we'll go back to the actual anacheta jiva goswami writes when this self same Visuddha sattva, okay, pure, pure, pure goodness. No, this is spiritual goodness uh, on the topmost level. Is predominated by the Sandini aspect. It is called Adara Shakti, or the potency of underlying support. When predominated by Samvit, it is called Atmavidya self-knowledge when predominated by the essence of Hladini it is called Guya Vidya concealed knowledge pure devotion when all three potencies are prominent at the same time it is called Morti or the form of the Lord so the Lord can manifest a form when all three of these potencies, which are purified Visuddha Sattva, are fully present in, well, in his essence. The Visuddha Sattva manifests the abode of the Lord through the Adara Shakti. Now here, in the context of Visuddha Sattva, we're talking pure spiritual essence of the Lord's nature. Through self-knowledge, Atma-Vidya, which has two functions characterized by knowledge and the affecting of knowledge, the Visuddha Sattva reveals knowledge relevant to the worshiper which is its function. Similarly, through concealed knowledge, Guya Vidya, which also has two functions, characterized <laughs> by devotion and the affecting of devotion, the Visuddha Sattva reveals pure devotion of the nature of unalloyed love, which is its function. Both of these are elucidated in Vishnu Purana in the prayers to Lakshmi. O beautiful goddess, goddess, bestower of the fruit of liberation, you are Yajnavidya, Mahavidya, Guyavidya, Atmavidya. These fine subtleties will, will play out a little bit more as we continue in the Anucheda. Yajnavidya, knowledge of sacrifice, means ritual. Mahavidya refers to the eightfold yoga dis discipline. Guyavidya means bhakti. Atmavidya is self-knowledge or awareness, jnan, because you, Lakshmi, are the shelter of all these. 
you embody them. Therefore, you are the bestower of the fruit of the various types of liberation, as well as other results. So Jiva here is, is starting to, is expanding upon um, what he's already said and showing the functionality of this, of Lakshmi, the various energies of Lakshmi, which is what? It's the energy of the Lord within the material nature. So, if we remember back to the beginning of the Anucheta, uh, the Praman there, was quoting a verse spoken in relationship to Akrura's revelation. That verse was also in attendance. In other words, Akrura saw the Lord surrounded by all these potencies and then also all the sages and the Vedas, the scriptures, all these personified personalities were worshiping the Supreme Lord and Akrur was given this vision. He actually saw these. Here's here's the same Krishna that I'm taking to Bathura and everybody's, all these potencies of his and all this knowledge of, of, of script, scriptural knowledge of him, it's, of what's spiritual and all the gods and demigods were all, all of creation was worshiping him. And, um, and this explanation is given also in intent in attendance. So this specific knowledge referring to the Lord's uh, energies, his potencies, which uh, are many fold, uh, were in tendance in personified potencies. Shri, Pusti, Gir, Kanti, Kirti, Tusti, Ila, Urja, Vidya, Avidya, Maya, and Shakti. We've already discussed this in detail, but this Vidya and Avidya, so what's, what's, we're discussing here this evening is Jiva is further elaborating on this. How does the Lord's energy, energy of knowledge, Vidya, manifest in the world? And how does it function? Um, and this, this breakdown is there. Um, that it functions in order to make available liberation to people who are within the material world. Well, how's it do that? It does that through, it locks me, you could say, or vidya. Yajna vidya, knowledge of sacrifice, means ritual. Maha vidya, yoga principles. Guya vidya means bhakti. And atma vidya is knowledge of the self. <clears throat> The Visuddha Sattva, okay, spiritual sattva, not to be confused with material sattva. The Visuddha Sattva, through its murti function, reveals the Lord's divine form. 
which is the embodiment of the supreme truth. It is this function which is also called Vasudev. This is explained by Lord Mahadev. Now Jiva quotes a, a sloka from the fourth canto. Lakshman Mahadev explains the state of unalloyed being. Visuddha Sattva. This is the state of devotion which is devoid of any contamination in the modes of material nature. So this kind of association can can invoke the presence of the Lord in a personalized form. The state of unalloyed being, Visuddha Sattva, is called Vasudev because the personal God is unveiled therein. In this state of being, this Bhagavan, who is Vasudev, and beyond the ken of the material senses, can be meditated on within the mind. In this particular sloka, we're talking about the Lord manifesting in the mind of his unalloyed devotee, actually taking a form that can be meditated upon. He also appears outside as as he did as the son of Vasudeva and Devaki. So Jiva Goswami continues his explanation. This verse is to be understood as follows. So Jiva is going to give us his commentary on this verse by Shiva. The adjective Visuddha, unalloyed, means completely and especially pure, devoid of even a trace of insentience owing to its being a manifestation of Swarup Shakti. So we're talking about a complete immersion. Um, well, I'm thinking, we'll just go on. Uh, this state of unalloyed being, Visuddha Sattva, is called Vasudev. On what basis can this state of being be said to have the nature of Sattva or of Vasudev? In answer, Lord Shiva says, because it is in this state that the personal God, Vasudeva, is unveiled. So, from this statement, it is evident that this state of being is endowed with the nature of sattva. The first of the two qualities mentioned above, because, like the well-known sattva goon, of material nature, it is instrumental in making the unperceived perceptible. Then a little bit of detailed instruction regarding the Sanskrit wording within the text itself. The etymological deriv derivative derivation, I'm sorry, the word vasu means that which enables the Lord to reside or that in which the Lord dwells. And Deva means one who sports or shines. So, one who embodies both dwelling in unalloyed being, Vasu, and 
infinite play or effulgence, Deva is Vasudeva. Alternatively, Vasu is defined as wealth, and in particular the wealth of dedication to the path of Bhagavan, known as Bhagavad Dharma, devotional service in practice. As the Lord himself says, the most desirable wealth for human beings is Dharma. That's quoting from the 11th canto. Thus, in this state, Vasudeva is one who is effulgent with Deva and makes manifest the wealth of Bhagavat Dharma. From the above stated, for the above stated reasons, Visuddha Sattva is called Vasudeva. It's rather technical. <laughs> it's, it, it, it gives us some some little glimpse into the mind of, of Jiva Goswami. And when we say the topmost logician, we can see he's explained. This is his explanation that we've just read. This is his explanation and his uh, wording is presented in the Anucheta. In this manner, Visuddha Sattva is the only means of knowing Bhagavad. Visuddha Sattva is the only means of knowing Bhagavad. That means that this is a descendant process. You're not, you're, the New Age spiritualist is not going to be able to know the nature of the Supreme with something that's inherent in himself. This is descending knowledge, and it's part of the Lord's internal Swarup Shakti. It's part of his own nature. It's the purified essence of his very being. And it's purified, and when completely, completely manifest with full Sandini, Samvit, and Ladini, the Lord can take a form and manifest before his devotee, either in the mind, or he can also manifest within the material environment, as he did as the son of Vasudeva. And if we remember his appearance as the son of Vasudeva and Devaki, he appeared in the mind of Vasudeva and was transferred from pure Vasudeva, he was completely purified. He was so effulgent, no one could look at him within the, within the, the, uh, the cell, uh, the prison house of Kamsa. He was that effulgence and that form of the Lord, which manifested his mind, he transferred to the womb of his wife, Devaki. So there's a lot of tattva involved in, you know, we read all the appearance of the Lord. Yeah, but what really happened? How did the Lord manifest within the material environment? It's, it's, and how does the Lord take a morti, a form like that, so that we can appreciate all the aspects of his being 
and his being is Sandini, Samvit, and Ladini. Mahadev then states the resultant conclusion. In this manner, Visuddhisattva is the only means of knowing Bhagavan, who is a self-luminous effulgent body and knowledge of Bhagavan is transcendental to the gunas of material nature, as has been stated in many places, such as, from the 11th canto again, knowledge of oneness, Kaivalya, is in Sattvagud. Knowledge rooted in the oscillation between alternatives is in Rajagun and knowledge of the mere phenomena is in Tamagun. Krishna goes on to say, knowledge that is resolute upon me, however, is understood to be free from the gunas. In the verse under discussion, Mahadev fur further clarifies how Visuddhisattva is a function of the Sarup Shakti by use of the word unveiled, apavrita. This word means that the Lord manifests without any covering. If material sattva were indicated, then the form perceived in it would merely would be merely a reflection. The significance of this is that like the image of a face reflected in a mirror, the form of the Lord manifests in material sattva, manifest in material sattva, would necessarily be a covered nature. The Lord's not using the, the modes of material nature or the vehicle of his external material potency which is what? It's not conscious. It's, it's dead, basically, sentient. So he's not using that. If he did that, his form would be like our form. And our form is what Jeeva is speaking of, a form that is what? Manifest in material sattva or material rajas, or material Thomas. It would be a covered nature. We take a form that's covered. It's covered to various degrees with ignorance, passion, or goodness. Always in a mixture of the three. So you're not, there's not going to be a pure evil one. And there's not going to be a pure, you know, uh, goodness one within the material world. Every, all the modes are mixtured and we take a form according our, to our conditioning by those modes. Krishna doesn't take such a form. And Mahadev's proof is that is his use of the word apavrita, unveiled. The Lord's form is manifest within the material world, but it doesn't, it, as I said, it does not, it's not influenced by the external potency in any way. 
Mahadev then states the resultant conclusion. Through the medium of my mind, I meditate on and contemplate with singular intensity Bhagavad, who is eternally manifest in the state of unalloyed being, Visuddha or Sattva, which has the characteristics described above. The implication is that I am able to meditate through the mind only because it has been imbued with the same Visuddha Sattva nature, becoming one in essence with it. So he's explaining this, this this kind of meditation. There's no contamination there. And because there's no contamination in my mind, I'm, I'm able to actually perceive the full form of the Lord in my meditation. The Lord raises an objection through Jiva's Anucheda. Can one not meditate through the mind alone? What is the need of this sattva? Shiva replies, Because he is beyond the can of the material senses, adoksaja, in this word, ada means having overcome or gone beyond, and aksaja means knowledge born of sense perception not possible to just meditate in the material mind because of the nature of the object of your meditation. It's a doxaja. It's beyond anything material. So, no, in answer to you, your question, no, it's not just sattva as conceived as the mode of goodness within the material nature. Jiva Goswami continues, Because the Visuddha Sattva that manifests the form of the Lord is specifically of the nature of Murti, the potency of form, and of Vasudeva, the potency of unalloyed being, unalloyed, no contamination. Therefore, in exact correspondence to this truth, the Lord in one particular appearance was born of the wife of Dharma, known as Murti. Then Jiva Goswami begins to explain that uh, particular appearance of the Lord in relationship to the subject at hand. And thus, in this instance, the quality of Morty, that of supplying form, belongs to her. Similarly, in Krishna's appearance, his father, Anakadumdubi, is also called Vasudev. And Krishna first appeared in his pure mind pervaded by Visuddhasattva. So in this, this instance, the quality of Vasudev, that of being the unalloyed ground of the Lord's appearance, is evident, evidence in him. This should be reflected upon. This kind, Jiva is saying, now, I've given you something 
You should think about this for a while. Try to understand. You want to have the darshan of the Lord? This is the nature of that darshan. What level of freedom from the modes of material nature is the requirement to attain this? So, Cheto Darpanamarjanam. We have to clean the mirror of the mind if we want to, if we are expecting to have darshan of the Lord within our mind or to enter into his Prakat Leela, his manifest pastime. There's a discussion here uh, of the fourth avatar of the Lord, Narnarayan, from Dharma. Uh, the word Kali means potency or Shakti. Just read a little of it so you can understand what uh, Jiva is trying to bring forth. So because the Lord named Narnarayan appeared from her, she being characterized as the Lord Shakti, she is certainly an embodiment of the Sutta Sattva called Vasudeva. For this reason alone, she was named Murti. And without offering a detailed description of the other wives of Dharma, such as Shraddha, it is she alone who is depicted in the fourth canto. As follows, Morty gave birth to the sages Nara and Narayan, the reservoir of all auspicious qualities. Morty, from whom the Lord, the reservoir of all qualities, is born or appears, gave birth to both of them. This sentence has to be connected syntactically with the verb of the previous verse. So, the idea is that, the idea being given, the idea is that she is instrumental in the manifestation of the Lord's body, or morti, which is eternal, eternal, fully conscious and blissful, and is called Bhagavan. She is called Murti. So he's looking at the pastime of the appearance of Narayan, and he's he's putting it in the con he's he's saying, all right, there's the context of the Leela of an appearance of the Lord as Narayan, but there's a significance to the personality. Morty, who gave birth to Narnaraya. So in the in studying the subject and seeing the Leela as presented in the Bhagavatam, we can see there is also a deeper meaning to what's being presented. And we can see it in that light. Not that we have to enter deeply into the Sanskrit, which we should want to do if we could some lifetime. He goes on to re-explain a little deeper uh, Anika Dumdubi. Similarly, Sri Krishna's father, Srimad, Anika Dumdubi, should also be understood as a manifestation of Sudha Sattva. 
because the Lord is seen to manifest from him. So, in other words, both these personalities as depicted in the Bhagavatam are pure Visuddha Sattva. If they weren't, how could the Lord manifest a form from them? Because the Lord is seen to manifest from him, and also because his name is identical to that which denotes the state of Sudasattva. Vasudev. This is stated in the ninth canto. Vasudev, the abode of Sri Hari, is called Anaka Dundubi. If Vasudev is understood other than, a ma- other than as a manifestation of Sudasattva, the adjectival phrase, the abode of Sri Hari, would become insignificant. And this will finish up this Anucheta. In the same way, one should understand the appearance of Sri and the other consorts of the Lord to take place through Visuddha Sattva, predominated in various degrees by one of its components, such as Ladini. When it's, when the potency is fully, fully manifest in one personality, the Lord can, can, is, can take birth there like in Vasudev or in Morty. The other potencies of the Lord, like Sri, Lakshmi, and other concerts of the Lord, potencies that appear with him, take place all through, also through this Visuddha Sattva, predominating in various degrees by one of the components, like Ladini. So, when it's in full Visuddha Sattva, it's the full manifestation of Sandini, Samvit, and Ladini, that's Visuddha Sattva. Now, different potencies, when they appear with the Lord or have different functions in service to the Lord, may be predominated by one or another of those internal shaktis of the Supreme. These energies have three forms. Okay, these energies. As opulence inherent to the Lord, as the transmitter of such opulence to those who are blessed by the Lord, and as a portion of that opulence. Furthermore, these energies should be known to have two features. As energy only, devoid of form, they exist in the state of at one with the Lord's form, and so on. So they're in his form itself. He's, he looks beautiful, so that's you know, that's a manifestation of, of this potency in his form itself. As the presiding deities of these energies, they exist as associates of the Lord endowed with corresponding forms. 
So these potencies of the Lord take a personal form as Lakshmi's in different ways to serve him when he manifests within the material universe. And they also have their material counterparts, which deal with the Lord's external potency. Uh, commentary. All these energies have two manifestations. They exist as formless energies within the Lord, who in his feature as energetic source is called Bhagavan. So when the energy is within the Lord's nature, or, well, I don't know if that's what you, proper nomenclature. When they're within his form, that's one, mani one of their manifestations. As formless energies, they appear as insignia on the Lord's person. As in the case of Lakshmi appearing as a golden curled streak on his chest. They also exist outside him and have their personal forms as his female associates. These forms are worshipable along with the Lord as his consorts, just as in Vedic culture a wife serves her husband. Similarly, the personified energies work under the direction of the Lord. Now, in the next Anucheda, uh, Lakshmi is the Lord's eternal consort. There, there'll be more explained in this regard, which will kind of tie together, like your question, how how are these energies managed? They're they're the Lord's pure pure spiritual potencies. Is there any questions on what we discussed directly this evening? You say the, they they had two manifestations within the Lord's form. And then outside the Lord has consorts, but that's not outs that's not external outside. That's just that's right, correct. In the con in this context, we're not talking about a counterpart within the material energy. Like Lakshmi within the material energy is also there. She's the bestower of material wealth and good fortune. But she's at a distance from the Lord. Because there's statements in the Shastra where he rejects that Lakshmi. Mm -hmm. So he has the Lakshmi he embraces to his chest. So much so that she he's never that potency is never separated from him. Never. When it's manifested, when it's with him entirely, it appears on his chest. Or if it takes a personalized form for service, then that's Lakshmi. Scientific, technical stuff, but very, very interesting because it assists us in, in developing uh, a deeper understanding of, of, the, of the significance of every single sloka within the Bhagavatam. There's layers and layers of meaning there. And every word is layers and layers of because we're dealing with that supreme personality who is unlimitedly and uh, limitedly powerful. 
So his words are unlimitedly powerful. His shastras are unlimitedly powerful. And his eternal concerts are unlimitedly powerful. And we also, in association with him, will be in that situation because we are also his potency. But at this stage, we can go either way. Anything else? Thank you so much for your association.